So, Father, we thank you that we have the right and the privilege, Father, to live in divine health. If you are our healer, Father, then there's no sickness that can overcome your healing power. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the great promise of your word. We can live in the promise by your spirit. So, Father, we thank you for that. Father, we choose as an act of our will to believe your word. We thank you for these things, Father. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good. Amen. Even in the midst of the storm here, we've got a uh, big storm out there. We're in here, so it's wet out there, but we're dry in here. Amen. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that phrase and that song that nothing's impossible with him. And I got to thinking about uh, Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, of course, Jesus is talking to the man with the epileptic son. And uh, uh, we, we know this verse, right? It says in Mark 9, 23, that if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Of course, we like to say nothing's impossible with God, but... Uh, if we don't believe, what can God do on our behalf? It says all things are possible to him that believe, implying that if you don't believe, there's really nothing that's possible for you. And so, uh, you know, you kind of have to take that phrase that nothing's impossible with God and add a footnote. Nothing's impossible with God as long as we believe God. Amen. If we don't believe God, then for all intents and purposes, it's impossible for God to move on our behalf if we don't believe. Now, he has the inherent power to do it, but if we don't believe, he's unable to express that power, meaning that uh, it, it's the same as if he's unable to do it. Amen? Uh, and it's got nothing to do... It didn't say uh, all things are possible as long as God wants to, uh, because he's already expressed his desire by saying that he is the Lord that healeth us. So he's expressed his will, so it's our responsibility to believe in his will and if we believe in his will, then there's nothing. Jesus says all things are possible if you believe. Amen. So you can't really say that all things are possible without the, the second half of that phrase, if you believe. Because if you don't believe, then there's essentially nothing that's possible with the power of God. Amen. Uh, you know, you can get healed through natural means. You know, if there's a natural remedy for the thing that you have uh, without any faith at all. Uh, of course, there is some level of faith but not in God. Some people have great faith in doctors and medication and, and prescriptions and um, directions from the medical industry. But this is supernatural healing, amen? And Jesus said that uh, all things are possible if you believe. And so, uh, so you know, a lot of times if we, if we just say it's all things are possible with God, um, that doesn't really help us any at all. Uh, that's, that's kind of a, a truism that there's nothing that God can't do, but that doesn't help me. It only helps me is if I then believe that the things that I need, that God is able and possible to fix those things. And so uh, there is some responsibility in our part to receive the blessings of the Lord, uh, which is to do, our, do, do the believing. Amen. Uh, and so... So, and that song is fine, right? We're not going to get rid of that song or anything like that. It's, it's a true statement that all things are possible. But really, we want to make it personal. 
all things are possible for you if you believe God. Amen. Uh, and of course, a lot of times people say, well, that puts me under pressure because it's my responsibility. Well, it's, it was your responsibility to get saved. Nobody made you get saved. You chose to do that. So we're not trying to put people under pressure. That's just the covenant that God wrote with us. It's, it is the covenant agreement. I, I, a covenant is just a, 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 uh, a, an agreement made between two parties. And he said, I'll do the doing if you do the believing. That's the covenant. That's the agreement the Lord made with hum humanity. I will do anything if you believe anything. Uh, and so, uh, of course, we understand it's within the constraints of his perfect will. He won't uh, do anything that would violate sin, of course, uh, the, the concepts of sin. But uh, that's the covenant. You believe and he'll do. Amen. Uh, in, in fact, uh, we're there in Mark chapter 9. If you, if you go over to, uh, uh, to John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, he said uh, in verse 23, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. So the day that he's talking about, in the day that I, ha I leave the earth and die and get resurrected, in that day, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever... You shall ask the Father in my name. He will give it you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Of course, this chapter that we're, we're here with uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman is talking about the joy of the Lord. And so how, how do you obtain the joy of the Lord? Well, you ask, and you believe, right? You, you, you ask in his name, uh, and if you do that, then you shall receive. And the result of that, of you receiving, is that your joy is full. And so a lot of people will tell you that you're not supposed to ask God for big things, and yet does he put any limit to the size of thing that you ask for? No, but, but you know, the, you have to understand, just because he doesn't give every single uh, requirement for this verse in the sense that well, you have to ask for things that are His will, ask for things that don't violate His word, ask for things that don't, doesn't violate His spirit. You know, He doesn't give you all those insights. Those are understood, amen, that, that, that the, this verse does not stand alone. It, it's embedded in the entire counsel of God. And so you can't just pick a verse out and say, well, uh, that means you can just ask for pink elephants and, you know, uh, whatever, baby dolphins, whatever things that you think you want, and then you just get it. Uh, well, that's people being uh, religious and legalistic and refusing to address and, and con uh, to confer with the entire counsel of God. Uh, and they're just trying to make an excuse for why it doesn't work. And if you're looking for a reason why it doesn't work, well, you don't need a reason, just don't believe it, and it won't work. I mean, that's really easy, right? Uh, but they're wanting to get you to not believe that it works. But when I read that, when he says, you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you receive, I understand that in the whole counsel of God, when I'm asking, it can't violate any of his principles of his word. Amen. It can't say, well, I want their stuff. Well, that means he'd have to take it from them and give it to you. He's not a thief. So, uh, and that's called envy and jealousy. He's not going to supply uh, and approve of your envy and jealousy and, and give you things. And so that should be obvious but to the religious legalistic mind, it's not obvious. And they're saying, well, you know, you're preaching that you can just ask for anything. Well, I am. Ask for whatever you want, as long as it doesn't violate the word of God. Yeah. Amen. What about a big thing? There's no limit in here. 
if it, if it doesn't violate the Word of God, then big things are included. Amen? Uh, and what about little things? Well, if big things are included, so are little things. Amen? Uh, and so uh, th these are not difficult concepts, and yet wars are fought in the church. Well, you can't just ask for anything. Well, he says you can ask for anything. Is that what it says? Are you, are you his editor? Are you his proofreader? Well, Lord, that, that, you know, you can't do that, Lord. Uh, strike that, you know, get rid of that. You can't do that. Uh, who are we to proofread the Word of God and to make corrections uh, when it's plainly spoken? A amen? And yet people do that all the time. It doesn't say that. Well, then what does it say? If it doesn't say that, what does it say? Well, it doesn't say that. And so, uh, I don't know. It's a, you know, doubt and unbelief. I, I have a hard time with doubt and unbelief because it just doesn't make any sense. In fact, most people's doubt and unbelief can withstand no scrutiny. You say, well, well, what about this? You know, you don't believe you don't believe he's a healer. Well, why does it say a thousand times, or not a thousand, but it's hundreds of times in the Word of God that he is literally your healer? I sent, he sent his Word and healed us. That he he bore our, our sicknesses and carried our diseases. That by his stripes I was healed. That uh, that he is the Lord our healer. What do you do with all those verses? Who forget not all his benefits? Who who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases? What do you do in verses like that? Uh, uh, I mean, if, you, if you're going to choose to not believe in healing, you've got to strike all those verses out of the Word of God. And instead, what we should do is come to the Word of God. Well, Lord, this is what I believe. Let me see if what I believe lines up with your Word. I don't believe that you heal. And then you read all those verses and you go, well, Lord, that seems to be in contradiction to what I believe. So uh, a wise person would say, then, then what I believe is incorrect and I need to change my believing. A religious person say, I don't care what it says, this is what I believe. Well, well, you know, you should stand your ground with what you believe because that's what the basis of faith until you get more information. And if, you, if what you believe is in conflict with the Word of God in the plainly written Word of God, in the, in the Word of God that, that is conferred uh, or um, uh, is approved by multiple verses, then you should change what you believe. Amen? Uh, and that should be a normal, uh, healthy part of your lifestyle. Believe what you believe is fine because that's, that's the whole essence of faith is that you have to have confidence that, with, that what you believe is so, uh, but you have to have the wisdom that when you, what you believe is in conflict with, with the plainly spoken word of God, then you change what you believe. Uh, and it should be easy. Some people go, you know, they'll, they'll go down fighting. I'd rather fight than switch. Uh, and they'll fight it. You know, well, I know what the word says, but you know, I, just, I don't believe it that way. You know, they'll make up, well, I just don't see it that way. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense. You don't see it that way. It is that way. It's either that way or it's not that way. It's not what you see and how you perceive it is irrelevant. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, and it doesn't matter if sister doodad didn't get it or you know, br brother so-and-so didn't get it. it that, you know, they are not the, the, uh, the arbiters of the value and the truth of the word of God. People's experiences are not what confirms whether the Word of God is so or not. Because people are at varying levels of faith. All of us are at varying levels of faith. And if you have to have a human being to, to confirm by their experiences whether the Word of God is so or not, that is a very shaky ground of, of proving, right? It's just, just like, uh, you know, uh, in the legal system, one of the worst things they, 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 they desire is an eyewitness. Because you think, well, somebody saw it. So it's got to be so if they saw it. But you get three eyewitnesses and they all have three different stories. Well, they all saw the same thing, but they perceived it in different ways. 
So the, the, uh, the best thing is, is video proof of somebody doing something. Of course, nowadays, you can spoof even videos, right? They got all this AI stuff that can fake a video. And unless you're a forensic scientist, it's really hard to, to actually. But, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't so. 10 years ago, if you had video proof of somebody doing something, they did it. Well, that wasn't me. Well, it looks like you. It is you. It limps like you. It, you know, it smirks like you. It's got the same bad haircut like you had. Uh, and so it's got to be you, right? Uh, and so, but to depend upon human beings is a terrible way to discern, determine a truth of something. The legal system has known that for years. They much rather have fingerprints, DNA, something that's objective. But when they, when they only can rely upon somebody's eyewitness account, because a lot of times people say, well, I think it was him. Well, you know, a lot of times even the, the, uh, the investigators, you know, you probably saw them, didn't you? You know, they'll talk you right into seeing something that you may not have really seen. Well, I'm pretty sure it was them. Well, how do you know it was them? Well, you know, I don't really know what, what uh, you know, then they'll kind of lead you into, uh, ab oh, yeah, it was absolutely them. Five seconds ago, you, well, I'm not really sure. And then, you know, uh, after a few minutes of coercion or, or uh, mind games from those investigating, oftentimes they'll get a witness to, to say what they want them to say. <clears throat> and so, and if that's the only thing that, uh, that they have to go on, you know, a lot of times uh, the defender the defendant can can get out of uh, some kind of criminal charge if all that they have against him is an eyewitness, because eyewitnesses are terrible, uh, are terrible uh, basis for the truth. Amen. Uh, the nice thing about the Word of God is it's absolute. Yes. It's our standard, yes. and we need to believe that it's our standard. That there's no other method to determine the will of God other than the Word of God. Yes. My experiences are not what determines the truth of the Word of God, uh, and if I have not been able to live up successfully, live up to the, the plain word of God, that does not diminish the truth of the word of God. You know, if I, if, if I have not been able to live in divine healing, that doesn't, that doesn't diminish the truth that God wants to heal me. Uh, and yet people often, well, it doesn't work for me. Well, Jesus said all things are possible to him that does what? Well, if you don't believe it works for you, then, then how many things are possible? None. I mean, uh, it, it's just as if God is unable to, and, and for you, he is unable. He is unable to move on your behalf if you, if you don't believe. Uh, now, he inherently has the power, but you remember what uh, Luke chapter 5 said, that uh, the, the power of the Lord was present to heal them all, or present to heal them. And yet, how many people got saved, got healed in that time frame until the man showed up that was born by his four friends? None. The power of the Lord was present to heal, but nobody got healed. So it was impossible for them to get healed because they didn't have the faith to be healed. Now, the man comes along with, yeah, I'll take some of that. And he got it, didn't he? And so, so our responsibility is to believe all that we know uh, in our hearts to be true uh, 100% until we get more information. And once we get more information from the Word of God, then if our thoughts and, and beliefs are in conflict with the Word of God then we should quickly and easily change. Amen? Uh, you, should, you should not be a person who goes down fighting every time the Word of God is in conflict with what you believe. Well, I just, I'm, just, I'm just not going to believe that. And, and, and I hear those phrases a lot of times in the church. I, I don't see it that way. I don't believe it that way. It doesn't work for me. I hear those phrases like that all the time. And what you're saying is, I have overridden the Word of God, and I am more accurate than the Word of God. And, and the way that I see the Word of God is more accurate than the way the Word of God is written. 
and, and that has taken a position that's way above your pay grade, amen, that you have decided that you are editor-in-chief of the Word of God. And last time I, I checked is none of us hold that position. The Word of God is written, and it's sealed, and it's unchangeable. Uh, and, and we should be okay with that, amen? So we're, we, we were, uh, I don't know where we were at, but uh, uh, let's go over to Proverbs chapter 17, and we'll pick it up there. So th- this particular chapter uh, in Dr. Yeoman's book is talking about the joy of the Lord. And we read last week some about uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, where it said that uh, uh, in verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached uh, did, did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Well, who is the, who, who uh, of, the, of the, either the one who gave the word or the one who received the word, who is the one responsible for mixing that word with faith? We are. The Lord already has faith in his word, so uh, he doesn't need to mix it with faith. Uh, it's our responsibility to, to take in the word of God into our hearts, mix it with faith, and then, uh, and then produce a result from that. Uh, and so he said, if you do that, the word of God is profitable to you. If you choose not to mix the word of God with faith, the word of God is unprofitable to you. Uh, and so that should make it really easy. That means it's 100% on you. If the word of God is, it, it, uh, has shown to be valuable to you, then that's because you've mixed it with faith. If you find that the word of God is not valuable to you, then you are not mixing with faith. And, and again, I hear many in the church who have such low regard for the word of God. That's just like, well, you know, it's an, it's an old book. Uh, it was written, you know, 2,000 years ago, at least the last part of it, right? The earlier parts of it was written many thousands of years ago. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's not really relevant for today. Don't you love that phrase? It's not relevant for today. You mean divine health is not relevant? Right? Divine protection is not relevant today. Uh, divine deliverance is not relevant for today. Divine peace of mind is not relevant today. I mean, if anything, it seems like that'd be pretty relevant today, right? Divine prosperity is not relevant today. I mean, these things also be pretty relevant to me, amen? Uh, and I don't even like that word anyway because being relevant is me judging the word of God as being valuable or not valuable. If it's not relevant, then, then what I'm saying is it's not valuable today. That means that the, that the Lord said, well, yeah, th- this is good, but, you know, in 2,000 years, it really won't, this word won't help you any. And a lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe that, you know, well, it was fine when it was written, but it's not really valuable to me. Walking in love with your neighbor is not valuable to you today. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, uh, people who, who say that they, they spend all their time on philosophy and psychology uh, and stray, have strayed far from the word of God. I want to get deeper and deeper into the Word of God because the, the Word of God covers all those scenarios that, that we try to uh, remove from the Word and, and replace it with man's uh, philosophy. Uh, the Word of God is, is plenty capable today of dealing with every circumstance and situation in your life. Um, and I'm convinced of that because it's in there. Uh, you know, Having studied it all these years and read after it all of these years, I know it covers every scenario that you'll ever deal with in this lifetime. You know, A lot of people, uh, a lot of even... Christian people will go to, uh, go to college and get like, things like Christian, Christian counseling degrees and things like that. And, and you know, I, 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 I'm not going to tell you don't do that, but just read the Word. If you want to know how to get to counsel, read the Word. You don't need psychology to be counseled. Just read the Word. Amen? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, if you do that, He will deal with you. Uh, 
uh, which makes some people uncomfortable. You know, I want you to deal with that guy over there. Right? And so, but uh, uh, we just read there in John chapter 16 that, that if we ask from the Lord that we will receive and our joy will be full. Is there any value in living in joy? Uh, well, there is, right? Proverbs chapter 17, we're here. Uh, he says <clears throat> uh, in, uh, in verse 22, I love, I love the book of Proverbs. There's so much value in it. Or a heart full of joy, the heart, or a heart full of joy, doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Uh, and, and if you notice in the King James translation, of course, it's not there on the, on the screen there, but in the, in the King James version where it says, uh, like a medicine, that word like is italicized uh, in the printed King James Version. And, and any, word, any word you find in the King James translation that's italicized, it's not necessarily the same for all translations, but in the King James translation, if it's italicized, that means that the original translators added that word thinking it would help us understand that verse better. And sometimes it's fine, but in this case, it's not because when you say, a merry heart doth good like a medicine, uh, uh, that implies, you know, something different than if you take that word out. Because if you take the word out, it says, a merry heart doeth good, uh, it, it, or it's a medicine, right? And one translation does a better job of saying that. The Amplified says, a happy heart is, is good medicine. So it's not like good medicine, it is good medicine. So like good medicine is, you know, it's kind of the same, but, you know, it's different. No, it's actually the medicine that you can take. So having a merry heart or a heart full of joy is a way to, to uh, get medicine. Well, that's pretty good, right? How expensive is having a merry heart? Uh, is it very expensive? Do you have to have a copay to have a merry heart? No. Do you have to go down to Walgreens and, and get a prescription for a merry heart? No, it, it's really cheap, right? In, in fact, it's so cheap, it's actually free. Uh, and so he said that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but the Amplified says a happy heart is good medicine. And a joyful mind causes healing. So one of the free ways to obtain healing is to live in, in joy. Well, there's nothing to be happy about. Are you on your way to heaven? Well, yeah. Well, can't you be joyful about that? Didn't Jesus die for your sins? Well, yeah. Well, can't you be joyful for that? Didn't his blood cleanse you from all sin? Well, yeah. Can't you be happy for that? Well, there's nothing to be happy about. Well, uh, I mean, how is, that not, how is that possible? Didn't he send his own son for you? Uh, seems like that would be a, a sufficient just alone in there, right? And maybe you don't have a testimony. I mean, I, you know, I can go through in, in John chapter 16. He said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. So I go back, well, the Lord gave me that. Well, that makes me happy thinking about that. Uh, the Lord gave me that. Well, that brings joy to my heart thinking about that. Well, the Lord gave me that. I asked and received. Well, yeah, I received that, so uh, I'm happy about that. And happy and joy is not exactly the same, but, but the uh, happiness is just an expression of the joy that's in you. Uh, and, so, uh, that's, that's, and that's, so that's one way to have a merry heart, is to ask and receive. Well, I never get anything. Well, no wonder you're mad and bitter. <laughs> I mean, I'd be mad and bitter too if the word of God never worked for me. But if it doesn't work for me, instead of me being mad and bitter, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, why isn't this working for me? And, and he'll come back and say, well, would you like a list? You know, you're har harboring ill will about your brother over there. You know, you, you're mean to your sister over there. You gossip about your uh, friend over there. You know, you lied about this person over there. You had vain imaginations about that one over there. Uh, it, well, oh, that's enough, Lord. Well, I've, the list continues if you'll let me. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, 
you should never say things like it doesn't work for me because you're not, you're, you are not um, impugning the character of God. You're just telling off on yourself. Because he said he would do it. He said, if you ask, you'll receive. So if you say it doesn't work for me, either you're saying God is a liar or you're not asking correctly. Well, between those two, I'm going to put all my money on you being a, uh, on, on you not doing what the Lord said. Amen? I'm never going to put my money where the Lord must not be uh, telling the truth. He always tells the truth. Uh, and so he said that, that a merry heart or a happy heart is, is good medicine. So it's not like good medicine. It is actually the medicine that, that you want to take. Amen? <clears throat> and so that's, that's a, a pretty good deal, right? A happy heart is good medicine, and a joyful mind causes healing. Uh, and then another translation says, if you are cheerful, you feel good. Uh, I like this one. It says, uh, if you are sad, you hurt all over. And it, you ever just hurt all over? Just sad, you hurt all over? Well, well that's your problem, right? Uh, switch, switch sides and become the cheerful one because it says you feel good. If you, if you are cheerful, you feel good. If you are sad, you hurt all over. <laughs> I know people that are just, you know, how you doing? <laughs> What's wrong? They hurt, they hurt all over. Why? Because they're not happy, right? They think that if they would stop feeling bad, that they would become happy. But you got the cart before the horse. If you, have a, if you are cheerful, you feel good. So what comes first is you feeling cheerful, amen? What, feel, what comes first is you being joyful. And uh, again, the Amplified, a happy, a happy heart is good medicine. So you don't get the happy heart because you've taken good medicine. The happy heart is the medicine. Uh, and so just like the doctor giving you a prescription, well, I'll take that prescription after I feel good. And the doctor's like, you're missing the point. I'm giving you medication to make you feel good. Well, I know, doctor, but I don't want to take that until I feel good. He'll let you like, we need other help here. We, we, need, we need somebody to come talk to this person because... Uh, they're not getting it, right? You take the medicine, you feel good. That's the, that's the deal, right? So you get the joy in your heart first, and then as a result of that, you feel good. So don't get the cart before the horse. Well, when I feel good, then I'll be happy. Well, uh, and I know a lot of people like that. Uh, and I have observed, you know, a lot of people, uh, if they're not living by faith, it seems like the older they get, the crotchetier they are, right? Just, just mean and, and grumpy and just... You ever know people like that? It's the older they get, just the meaner they are. And then especially if they, uh, they get sick, they get down, they get put in a nursing home, and they just hate everybody. Mean to the nurses, mean to the doctors, mean to everybody. Uh, and, and it said, you know, get, get a joyful heart. Amen? Has not the Lord done good to you? Has he not provided for you? Well, he's, not done, he's never done nothing for me. Well, that goes back to ask by faith and receive, right? Mixing these words with faith. Uh, and so uh, one translation says, a joyful mind maketh a flourishing age. Don't you want to flourish? Right? You know, when you think of flourishing, you always think of uh, like, a, like a garden, right? A, a flourishing. We were driving around town the other day and we saw this beautiful garden. Wow, that's amazing, you know. Uh, we never got past the weed stage in our gardens, you know, over the years glad that they did it. I'm glad people have that ability to do that. It's not really uh, uh, in my uh, a wheelhouse, right? Uh, some people are really good at that. I'm not really good at that. Amen? You know, I used to, for years, I, w I would, uh, <clears throat> you know, I really wanted a nice yard. And so I'd go out and just, you know, I'd go out and aerate the yard. You know, you got the little machine you put behind the, the, uh, 
the lawnmower and, and it pokes holes in your yard. Then you, go, then you go put several hundred pounds of seed on there. Then you go put fertilizer on there. And then nothing happens. And, uh, you know, I, for years, I probably put so many, I mean, I mean, just gave it up as a lost cause. But, you know, if you pay somebody to come do it, you know, then it's like magic. They just do it because they're really good at it. It's a lost cause. But, you know, if you pay somebody to come do it, you know, then it's like magic. They just do it because they're really good at it. Uh, and so and now I've got a yard that flourishes. People go, oh, it's a beautiful yard. God, thanks. I did nothing, right? Uh, I did nothing to get this. I, well, I wrote a guy a check. That's what I did. Uh, and so, uh, and that's fine. I mean, you know, some people, they're really good at that. Uh, and, and I'm glad that people are really good at that. I'm really good at writing a check for the guy that's really good at it. Uh, and so uh, I, I want to live a joyful mind, maketh a flourishing age. So, you know, flourishing means it's above and beyond. It's not barely getting by. Don't you want to flourish in your health? Don't you want to flourish in your physical body and not just barely get by? Just, well, I just, you know, I, just, I can't do that. And, you know, it says you can have a flourishing age. Amen. Uh, and then the last translation of this uh, verse says, a cheerful heart well pleases as a cure. A cheerful heart well pleases as a cure. So a cheerful heart is a cure. Amen. You don't have to do anything else. Just, just meditate on how good God is. Ask and receive answers to your prayer. And that will cause joy to rise up in your heart. And that will have a, a, an immediate and a lasting effect on your physical health. And that's free. There's no charge to it. Amen. There, there's, no, there, there's no side effects. There's no fine print on this. Uh, and so th- th- to me, that's a great prescription. So, again, is that the only thing the Lord's ever told us to do to obtain health? No, but this is a good one. Amen. If you're doing everything else right as far as you know, then add this to your, to your prescription, list of prescriptions. Amen. Uh, and, and it's free, right? Uh, no cost to it. No copay, like we said. Uh, no, no, uh, no side effects. Uh, and so, um, uh, one, uh, one verse in, she mentions here in, in Joel chapter 2, it says in verse 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Uh, and so, uh, fear not, O land. So, uh, is this a commandment or is this a suggestion? This is Joel 2.21. Uh, fear not, O land. So, are, uh, is this a suggestion? You know, uh, you should not fear. But if you do, it's okay. No, it's a commandment. So, anything that's a commandment, one thing that you should appreciate that anytime, anytime the, the Word of God declares to you what you're supposed to do, uh, that immediately tells you that you have the capacity to do that. Well, I can't just not fear. Well, it says you can. If it tells you to not fear, then you have the capacity to not fear. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's a different discussion. That's, that's not got anything to do with your ability. That's just got something to do with your knowledge. Amen. If you don't know how to do it, then go to the Word of God, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, and it will show you how to live without fear. Be glad and rejoice. Is that a commandment or a suggestion? It's a commandment, right? For the Lord will do great things. So does, does anybody want the Lord to do great things in their life? Well, sure. What is your responsibility before He does that? You've got three, in this verse, you've got three responsibilities, right? What's the first one? Fear not. What's the second one? Be glad. What's the third one? Rejoice. After you do those three things, then the Lord will do great things. Well, what if, uh, what, uh, well I'm, I'm just so full of fear. 
but I still need the Lord to do great things. Well, that's not this verse. You can't use that verse. You can't say, well, Lord, I, you know, I mean, I'm not perfect, Lord, but I got two out of three. Can I have, the, can I have you to do great things in my life? If I'm doing at, at, at 66%, uh, is 66% a passing grade? No, it's an F, right? Big fat F. Uh, and the Lord's like, well, I, I'll, I only gave you three things to do. And, and, and he said, if you do those things, I will do great things. Well, would heal, healing your body be a great thing? That'd be a pretty great thing, amen? I'd love to have a, uh, uh, that to happen in my life. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes you need the Lord to do great things, amen? Well, Lord, this is more than a toe ache. This is more than just an, uh, an itch that I can't scratch. This is something uh, that the medical industry says is serious. Not serious for you, but the medical industry says it's serious. Uh, I need you to do a great thing. Uh, well, fear not. Be glad and rejoice. Amen? You know, I told you that the testimony when, when um, uh, I started having arthritis in both of my shoulders to the point where I couldn't even lift, up, lift my hands at all. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and in fact, I never told Jared, but when he was a senior in high school, you know, it was, uh, we'd go play racquetball. And, and uh, I just had to power through because I was in a great amount of pain in my elbow and my shoulders, uh, in both shoulders. And um, even throwing a baseball was, was nearly impossible because of the pain. But the one thing, uh, when I went to the doctor and just explained to him what was going on, he said, well, you know, he said, that's probably arthritis. And my response was, oh, well, it's just arthritis. Okay. And he said, well, no, it's a serious, it's a ser serious ailment. Don't just say it's just arthritis. But see, if I fear not, then it's just arthritis. People who fear like, oh, it's arthritis. I'm, you know, I'm going to be shriveled up in, in a fetal position before you know, the end of the year, not being able to move. No, I'm not afraid of arthritis because it's just a name. And so I could, I could live without fear. And then because I'm living without fear, I could be glad and rejoice. Why? Because the Lord's going to do great things. Well, Lord, just see, I can't wait to see how you're going to remove this. And so, you know, I would just get up every day. I'm the healed of God. I'm the healed of God. And if it would, if it would, get, if it would rise up and cause me pain and so I couldn't do things, I would still rejoice. He said to, he didn't say uh, there to uh, fear not and be glad and rejoice once everything is gone. He said, do these things first and then the Lord will do great things. Amen. So, so that's, the, that's the process of faith. You do your part first, uh, and really the first step is God makes the promise, then you obey the promise, you obey the prerequisites for the promise, and then you get the promise. A lot of times we want the promise without us doing our part, right? So there's three steps. The Lord speaks it, we do it, we get it. Uh, well, we don't get it unless we do it, amen? If we don't do our part, which in this case there's three steps here for us to do that. So I just, you know... I'm not going to be afraid. Well, I'm going to die with arthritis. That thought never crossed my mind. My thought is, I will live forever if that's how long it takes to get rid of this thing out of my life. I'm, not going, to fight. I'm going to fight it every day of my life. And I have no expectation it's going to last forever. I expect it always to, to leave uh, soon. Amen? Uh, and so I'll just get up uh, every day without fear, with gladness and rejoicing. Lord, it's, it's, it's got to go. Uh, and I'll speak to it. You have to leave in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, without, any, without any concern or fear that, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, it always works. Uh, and so uh, being glad, fearing not, rejoicing is not a suggestion. Uh, it, it's a commandment, amen? 
Uh, and it's the covenant, that's the agreement. I will do this after you do that. Uh, and if you don't do that, is the Lord going to do this? That's not the deal. Amen? And, uh, and the, the thing, uh, and I know we talk about this a lot, but anytime I read the Word of God and I see a promise, uh, the first thing before I claim the promise, Lord, what's my responsibility? What am I supposed to do to obtain this promise? Now, do I earn the promise? No, I'm not earning the promise. I'm just obeying the covenant. Amen? I'm not earning about my good works. Well, Lord, now I've done this. You owe me. Uh, I just say, Lord, I've done what you've said, and so now I expect you to do what you said you would do. Uh, and so not because I've earned it, but because I'm just confirming that his promise was already made. He, he gave the promise without any prerequisites on my part. He gave the promise without saying, well, I'm not going to give a promise until I see you behaving. Uh, then, then we've got to earn it. He just says, here's a promise, and here's how to make the promise work in your life. Uh, and so we've got to get out of this mindset, I've got to earn the promises of God. No, we're just, we're just obeying the, the agreement. Uh, and I know that's a, a little bit of a subtle difference there, but it's a big difference in faith, amen? Because I never get to the end of it, go, well, Lord, look at what I've done. Now you owe me. You're in my debt. He's never in my debt. He made the promise freely, amen? Uh, and, and there's no cost other than, than my obedience to obtain the promise. Uh, and so uh, she, she then talks about um, Nehemiah 8.10, which is, which is a famous verse, right? Uh, in Nehemiah 8.10, is, this was after they were in, in exile and they were going back and rebuilding Jerusalem. Uh, and so there was a lot of conflict with, as they were trying to rebuild the wall there in Jerusalem. Uh, and so this is Nehemiah speaking to them and he said unto them, go, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So one of the values of having a cheerful heart and being full of joy is that you are a strong person, immovable, amen, unwavering in your faith. Uh, and so uh, the, the, uh, he tells you things to do, you know, do these things. He said the reason why you can do these things is because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So uh, uh, instead of being fearful, you know, fearful people are, are easily swayed people, right? Fearful people are people that are, are, appear to be strong today and completely falling apart tomorrow. Well, there's no strength in that, amen? Joyful people are strong. Well, what about that, what about that the arthritis? It's just a thing. If it's a thing, it has a name. If it has a name, it's a name that's under the name of Jesus. That means the name of Jesus is above that name. So, so a joyful person is a strong person. Uh, and not just strong physically, but strong mentally, strong spiritually, strong to stay the course. Because what happens a lot of times is, you know, the devil or whatever the thing that you're dealing with, sometimes it seems to take longer than it should to, to remove, to be removed out of your life. Uh, you know, for, for me in that particular case with the arthritis, it took about a year. Well, why did it take a year? I don't know. Uh, you know, some things I've gotten over within minutes, sometimes a few hours, sometimes a few days. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's just I didn't focus on it. I, you know, didn't uh, spend enough time in, in preparation to do that. I, I don't know, don't really care. It, it left, amen. Uh, and, uh, and I deal with no, no arthritis in my shoulders, no arthritis in my, in my elbow. Uh, and so I do whatever I need to do, and I'll continue that way, amen. Uh, and so I'm going to be strong in the joy of the Lord. Uh, and so there's value. So uh, uh, there's value in, in obtaining joy because we read there in Proverbs 17 that, that uh, uh, back in, in verse 22, 
that a merry heart doth good like a medicine or a merry heart is good medicine. So you get the joy of the Lord and what benefits do you have? Well, one, it's medicine to your physical body. One, it's strength to your life. So there's value in finding the joy. Well, I have nothing to be joyful about. Well, that surely can't be true. Amen? Amen. I mean, if you have nothing to get joyful about, just get a dog. Because a dog will love you like crazy, right? A dog, you will, I mean, my dog loves me, right? I mean, you come home and don't you wish your spouse would, would greet you like your dog does, right? I mean, hoops and hollers and barks and, you know, I mean, it's just like, like I've never seen you before. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I mean, I come home after, after working all day and Chris goes, hey. And, and uh, I mean, and she doesn't mean anything bad by it, but the, but the dog is slobbering and rolling on the ground, you know, uh, worshiping at my feet. Uh, I mean, it, uh, just get your dog, you know, if you don't think you have anything to be joyful about. Uh, and because so, the dog loves you. Amen. I know my wife loves me, you know. Uh, but uh, I think, isn't there a country song, Love You Like a Dog or something like that? <laughs> it sounds like a good country song right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, it's, but, you know, I, I mean, I don't do the same thing for her either. When she gets home, uh, I don't just grovel on the ground and maybe I need to, right? Oh, I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so glad that you're back. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you so much. Uh, and so, uh, but sometimes people say, I, I don't have anything to be joyful for. Well, that's just not true. Amen. Has the Lord not done great things for you? Yeah. I mean, surely just your salvation alone is sufficient to, to uh, have joy rise up in your heart. Amen. So uh, being a joyful person causes you to have medicine, causes you to be strong. Amen. Immovable uh, during the situations of life. You know, none of these things say if you have joy, nothing will ever come your way. It, does, it doesn't say that because in the midst of uh, in Nehemiah, in chapter 8 there, that was in the midst of all the conflict of, uh, of rebuilding Jerusalem. It, wasn't, it didn't say, get the joy of the Lord and all this conflict will leave. So you get the joy in the midst of your conflict. So you need to have joy in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. It's, you know, if it's any sickness and disease, then uh, be at joy, not because, well, I'm just going to tolerate it, because a lot of people will say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a great testimony by having a great attitude in my sickness. No, that's not, that's not the goal. I'm going to have joy because God's going to remove the sickness. And in one sense, he has already removed the sickness, so therefore I can be full of joy. Well, Lord, you've already taken care of this, so I can be full of joy. Well, do you believe that he's already taken care of it? Well, he has, whether you believe it or not. You know, he's a by, your, by his stripes. You were healed, so he took care of that where? At the cross, amen? He, he, he's not going to take care of it. Uh, he has taken care of it. And so... Uh, so that, you know, that, that's why we can have fullness of joy. That's why we can, we can allow the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Amen. Uh, and let's go back to uh, chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, there's a couple of things here that uh, uh, we want to uh, address. Dr. Yeoman has uh, some comments here that, that uh, we'll, we'll look at here in just a second. So in Deuteronomy chapter 28... Uh, of course, the first part of the verse, verse, first 14 verses are all the wonderful things that happen if you obey the Lord, right? So if you're obedient to the Lord, then, you know, he's got all these things about, uh, uh, about uh, uh, like verse 6, uh, verse 5. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. Uh, and so, he, so all of these verses, the verse 14... 
are great blessings that occur because uh, you love the Lord. Then he comes down to, to verse 47, uh, and, and this is the verses that, that she mentions here. So we'll read the verses that she mentions. She said, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of, of, of all things. So then it starts going to things that happen because you don't serve the Lord with joyfulness. Therefore, in verse 48, thou shalt serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he hath destroyed thee. And come down to verse 60, it says, Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. And then verse 61, not only is all the diseases of, of Egypt included, but uh, verse 61, also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou shalt be destroyed. So one of the things we've got to appreciate, uh, two aspects of this particular chapter is, uh, well, maybe there's more than even the two, but one of the things is... Uh, what, as far as the old covenant is concerned, what is uh, Deuteronomy part of? It's called part of the law, right? So you've got the law, the prophets, right? Jesus talked about the law and the prophets. Well, this is considered the law, right? The first five books of the Old Testament is considered the law. Uh, and, and, and so if we disobey the law, the second half of chapter 28 says, uh, in fact, uh, uh, start, starting there in verse uh, 16, if you don't obey the Lord, then, well, in verse 15, it says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes, which I commanded this day, that all these, what? Curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So, uh, when it comes to the new covenant, what does the new covenant say about curses? We've been redeemed from the curse. So if we have been redeemed from the curse, of course, we know Galatians 3.13 says that we have been redeemed from the curse, right? Uh, And so uh, if it says we've been redeemed from the curse, then that means that we've been purchased out of of being being part of these curses, amen? Being subject to these curses. So that means that these, these verses, really from verse 15 to the end of the chapter, no longer apply to the church because we've been redeemed from the curse. And this is one of the hardest things for people to accept, even people of faith. Because uh, being redeemed from the curse, uh, now you got in, verse, in chapter 28, you got two groups of people that it's talking about. Those that are obedient to the Lord and those who are the disobedient to the Lord, right? So those who do right and those who do wrong. And so those who do right, uh, will they get the curse of the law? No, they won't get the curse of the law because they're doing right. So uh, who gets the curse of the law? Those that are not doing right, those that are guilty, right? Those that have made mistakes or have sinned and and disobeyed the Lord. So as a Christian, if you disobey the Lord, so so the redemption of the curse of law being redeemed from the curse, it's only for those that are guilty of that. Does that make sense? There's no need to redeem the righteous from the curse of law because they're never going to be subject to the curse of law. It's only for those who are guilty. So then, then we ask the sixty-four dollar question. So, if you if you sin, does that make, now make you uh, now make you uh, subject to the curse of the law? And they say, "Oh yeah." Well, then what's the point of redeeming us from the curse if it was if it didn't redeem the guilty? 
then who did it redeem? There's no need to redeem the innocent from the curse of law. It's only need to redeem the guilty from the curse of the law. So, so, you're, so you're telling me if I sin, I'm not subject to the curse of the law. If Galatians 3.13 is so, then that's correct. Because if I'm righteous, the curse of law never has a right to come to me anyway. So the, the being redeemed from the curse of law is only for the guilty. So if you, if you are guilty and you commit an infraction against the law of God, you're still, as a Christian, you are not subject to the curse of, curse of the law. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's what it says. Amen? And so if, if, if you commit a sin against the law of God, are you subject to the curse of God? And still half the church go, oh, yeah. Well, then, then you've got to rip out Galatians 3.13. Uh, so, so you mean there's no ramifications of sin? There's plenty of ramifications to sin. Uh, in Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. But see, the curse was an automatic legal standing that the devil had against you. Well, he doesn't have a legal standing against you even if you commit a sin. Uh, now, you can't eventually uh, give license to him to operate in your life, but you've given him license to do that. Uh, whereas before, when you sin, sinned, he had a license regardless of what you wanted to do or not. Uh, and so you, you've got to get that uh, established in your heart that I'm not subject to the curse even if I make a mistake. Uh, that's what it says. That the whole point of being redeemed from the curse is he redeemed the guilty from the curse of the law. He didn't redeem the innocent from the curse of the law. There was no curse uh, applied to them anyway. Uh, and so, uh, and the other, the other aspect of this that's important to know is uh, if you've got to understand that the old covenant was written in the Hebrew language and the he Hebrew language was a little bit limited in when they wanted to express a thought, they didn't have the ability to ex express a thought in the sense of a permissive sense. So God is going to permit these things to happen upon you if you make a mistake. And you need to read the book of, uh, especially the chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy, that at the second half, when the Lord says, these things shall come upon you and overtake you, that's not a threat. That's not a threat to punish you. It's a warning that if you disobey the Lord, then you are now on the territory of the devil, and he will legally come and put this curse upon you as a right and a privilege because of the fallen nature of mankind. <clears throat> and so if you understand that, see, then, then the Lord is permitting these things, and I don't even like that particular language because it implies that if he permits it, that he's permitting it by choice. Well, it's not that he's permitting it by choice. Who, who chose to disobey the Lord? Well, we did, amen? So it's not his choice that's allowing these curses to come upon you. It's your choice. And if you make a choice, he is unable to override your will it's just like you saying, well, Lord, I want the curse to come upon me. And the Lord's like, well, there's nothing I can do about that. You wanted these things to come upon you. And so, so he's warning us, don't do these things because the curse will come upon you. But the Hebrew language wasn't really able to express that. So it always had to have, well, there has to be a cause for this. There has to be a reason why this is happening. That's why it says that the Lord will do these things. But really, it should have said that the Lord will allow these things to happen because of your choice if you choose not to obey the Lord. Uh, amen. And so now uh, one of the things in Dr. Yeoman's book that, that she says that, that uh, we will be punished uh, if we're not happy and it implies that God is going to punish us with sickness. And she's using these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 28 uh, as the basis for that idea. But the problem with that is that is in violation with, with the And so if he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, then the curse has no right to come. There's no legal right for the curse to come. 
Amen. And if you go play on the devil's territory long enough, you know, you, you'll end up uh, with whatever happens, but it's not a legal, you know, as soon as you make one mistake, go straight, go to jail, you know, go straight to jail, don't pass go, don't collect $200, curse upon you. That's the old covenant. New covenant, you know, you sin, and there may not be any obvious ramifications for a period, and there may not be any obvious ramifications for a period of time. In fact, if you sin and repent quickly, there may not ever be any ramifications. So we can just sin as much as we want to? Well, well no, because if you're sinning, you're not obeying God. And all the blessings of God only come from obedience. They don't come from lack of sin. They come from obe obeying the Lord. So just because you, you uh, committed a sin and repented, that's great. But during that point, uh, during that time frame of you sinning and repenting, you didn't receive the blessings of God. You didn't receive the curses of the, of the law, but you didn't receive the blessings of, of God. So a lot of the church is stuck in a situation where they're never getting blessed of God. Because it's a live lifestyle of sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. You know, I'm sorry, Lord, I did this. I'm sorry, Lord, I did that. And the Lord will always forgive you. He said he's faithful and just to forgive you for sins. But if that's your lifestyle, you're never making any progress. You're never advancing in the blessings of heaven because uh, he didn't say that, that all the blessings of heaven come upon you without you doing anything, right? We just read that, uh, earlier there that you've got to fear not. Amen. You've got, you've got to obey uh, and uh, rejoice and be glad. And so that's, that's our responsibility. And then God can do great things in your life. Well, obedience, we've never been redeemed from the obedience of the law. We're still required to do the law. And when I say the law, I just mean whatever the, Lord, whatever the Word of God says, right? We know in the New Covenant that the only law that we're really supposed to follow is the law of love. It covers all the Old Covenant laws about how you treat your neighbor, how you treat your spouse, how you treat uh, even your enemy. The law of God overrides all of those things, <clears throat> but uh, but th there's there's a, a a common misconception that the Lord will strike you with all the sicknesses, uh, not even mentioned in the law, if you disobey Him. And of course, that's what Doctor Yeoman said. Well, that's not true. God is not going to strike you with all the sicknesses of Egypt if you don't obey Him. Amen. Uh, you have not been redeemed from the blessings of the law, but you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So the Lord, the Lord is, uh, is uh, his hands are tied in a sense that if you go out and sin, he, he cannot bless you in your sin, but he's also not going to just allow the curse. The devil doesn't have a legal right to curse you the moment you make a mistake. Uh, and, and, you know, and I see, I see a lot of parents do the same thing when, when if their child makes the smallest mistake, man, they're just whack them. You know, I mean, just as soon as it, as soon as it, I mean, it's a law. You make a mistake and whack. Well, you know, sometimes it's okay to just let it ride, you know. And, and Well, don't you think you need to punish them? Well, not every single time. You know, train them that, that, that they shouldn't fear you. Well, they need to fear me. Well, you know, not, not, I don't mean fear like in reverence. I mean fear like be afraid of me. Uh, where Every time you raise your hand, they, they, they duck. Amen. Well, that, that's a terrible way to raise your kids. Amen. That every time they make a mistake, you come down upon them. Amen. Uh, and same thing with them with employers and employees. I, I remember one time I had an, an employee that uh, uh, something happened and uh, uh, he was, had a rental car and uh, there was something in the, in the uh, middle of the road and he ran over it. And it was like some kind of damage to the vehicle, to the rental car. Uh, and actually I think it was a company car uh, that uh, they had some company cars that could be used. Well, that wasn't any fault of his own. It was just something in the road. 
or the legalistic person over that whole department, you are no longer allowed to use the company car forever. And I even tried to have a conversation with this person, and she wouldn't even, uh, she wouldn't even grace me with, with a minute of her precious time because she was the queen up on high. Uh, and, and I'm like, look, you just go use the car whatever you want to because it was such an absurd, you know, no car for you forever. Well, it wasn't his fault. He wasn't even being, uh, uh, you know, reckless with it. It just happened, right? But see, legalistic people, every time somebody makes a mistake, off with their head. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way it was in the old covenant, right? When you made a mistake, off with your head because the devil had a legal right to bring all the curses upon you, all these curses. And the Lord, because you made the choice to disobey the Lord, the Lord was, was powerless to change that because the, the devil had a legal right to bring that into your life. Uh, and so, uh, so it wasn't on us. Because he said, look, if you obey me, man, you're good. So let me warn you, don't disobey me, especially in the old covenant. Now, now the same warning is, is available to us in the new covenant. Don't disobey him because uh, you are giving license to the devil, but it's, it, it doesn't carry nearly the same strength as the old covenant because uh, he's still uh, waiting on you to give him the license of, of how far he can go into your life. Uh, whereas the old covenant, if you disobey these things, he had an immediate uh, uh, strength to come in and curse you with all these different curses. So it's not really appropriate to say that God is going to punish us with sickness if we disobey him. That's an old covenant mentality. That's not a new covenant. And at the same time, you know, the balance of that is people will say, well, if you preach that, you give people a license to sin. I've never given people a license to sin. There's no New Testament verse that says, if you sin, there's no ramifications. Because sin and death always go together. And so if you're involved in sin, then, then one aspect that you'll find is one definition of death in the New Testament is living without power. So it doesn't mean that you're going to die physically. You might die physically. But, but one, one definition, what you'll find first and foremost, is if you live in sin, you have no power operating in your life. No power of healing, no power of redemption, no power of, of deliverance, just no power. Well, nothing ever happens for me. Well, then you're probably telling off on yourself. Amen. Uh, and so there is ramifications to sin. It's out of the will of God. You may, you may check out of this earth early because of the sin, uh, but uh, that's entirely upon you. But what you'll find in the new covenant is because of grace and mercy is extended to the church, it just takes longer. Well, how long is longer? Well, I don't know. You want to risk it? You want to roll the dice? I don't see how far I can get into sin before I die. Well, that's really a dumb bet. Amen. Why would you bet that? Are you saved? Did you not, did you not confess that he's your Lord? Uh, how many Christians you know is every, getting up every day, Lord, I'm going to see how far I can sin today. I don't know any, sinners, any Christian who's making that deal. Amen. Uh, and so if you want to be uh, fullness of joy, you'll spend time with the Lord. Amen. Avoid the sin out of your life. Uh, and so, but even if you do sin, God is not punishing you with sickness and disease. He doesn't use that. Uh, in fact, uh, we know over in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about the chastisement of the Lord. Uh, well, a lot of people say that sickness and disease is chastisement. But that's funny because you think that if that was true, how many times did Jesus chastise the disciples? How many times did you say, oh, ye of little faith? How many times did you say, you are of your father, the devil? How many times did you say, you are, you are whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones? How many times did you say, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees? A lot of times. How many times did you say, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and here's some leprosy? 
That'll fix you. Here's some cancer. That'll show you. Don't ever do that again. How many times did he say, oh, you've a little faith, and he'd break a, break a leg or a kneecap? Show his disciples, you know, next time have better faith. Not, is there, was there a single time? Not, there was never a time when Jesus punished people or chastised people with sickness and disease. He chastised people with what? With the word. He spoke to them, right? Uh, and that's all he ever did is he spoke to them. He never cursed them. He never put them in, in kind of a uh, uh, terrible situation. If they ever disobeyed him, he would, he would punish them. Uh, you remember one time when, when, uh, uh, when they said, Lord, shall we call fire down from heaven? He said, you know not what spirit you're of. When Peter said, no, Lord, uh, far be it from you to go to the cross. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't punish him with sickness and disease. He rebuked and chastised the disciples a lot. He rebuked and chastised the Pharisees a lot, the Sadducees and, and the Herodians a lot uh, in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels. And he came to, to show the will of God. He came to be a reflection of the will of God in the earth. And you would think that if the Lord ever used sickness and disease as a method to chastise his people, that he would have done it at least once, just one time, or just one time, put some leprosy on somebody, and, and that, that'll show us that, yes, leprosy is, is one of the tools that you use to chastise me. And so if you would use leprosy, then you would use cancer, you'd use disease, you'd use organ failure or you know, kidney failure or something, heart disease. You would use something, maybe not a leprosy, but you would still use some kind of sickness to, to, to punish us today if you did that in the Gospels. But in all the times he chastised people, did, did he, one time he said, why is it that you have no faith? That, that would, wouldn't that hurt your feelings if the Lord said you have no faith? Well, that's, that's the point, right? He's chastising you, amen? So, so what tools does he use to chastise you? It's only the word of God, amen? And so sometimes we come across doctrines like this that are not accurate because they're saying God is using sickness and disease to chastise his people, and that's not so. You know, the Bible says that a word to the wise is sufficient. Well, the reason why you have to give a word to the wise is because they're not acting wise in that moment. But if they are wise, they'll hear the word and go, oh, I need to change. And so a wise person can receive rebuke and correction. uh, But, you know, you go read Proverbs, it says don't do it to the the fool, right? You'll get a blot, uh, which, you know, is a black eye, right? And so you go try to correct a foolish person with words, and they'll, they'll start swinging. But you, you go correct a wise person with words, and they'll receive it with gladness. You know, you're right. What I did was wrong. I'll change. I'll repent. See, a word, a word is sufficient. You don't have to, well, you know, what you did was wrong, and have some leprosy on top of that. And that'll teach you. That'll show you. Uh, and yet a lot of people will say that I, I'm going to be sick for the glory of God. And yet the only time God ever got glory in relation to sickness in the new covenant was when they received healing. They never got glory in their sickness. They got glory only in their healing. The Lord only got glory in somebody's healing. So uh, when people say that, they're misinterpreting and misapplying the word of God. I'm going to give God glory in my sickness. No, give God glory in your healing. Because uh, it's easy for people to rejoice with you. Uh, You know, uh, people that see people that are happy in their sickness go, man, that's great. I hope I'm never in that place. But people who get healed, uh, people see that, they go, wow, uh, if they can heal, then, then I, I look forward to, if I ever need healing, I can get healing too. God will get the glory in that. 
Uh, and yet, a lot of times, we come up with all these religious ideas and religious uh, plans. I'm going to give God glory in my, in my sickness and disease. And look, you know, uh, you're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in the middle of everything, and not wait till the end of it, but a lot of people uh, almost like they want to stay in their sickness to give God glory. Like they don't know how to give God glory any other way. And yet, all the examples we see uh, in the Word of God, it says, and they gave God glory, or they, they, they glorified God after healing. It was never before healing. It was always after healing. Uh, and so we should follow the examples in the Word of God. Amen? It's not a thus saith the Lord that you have to do it this way, but we see the examples. That's how they lived. That's how the Lord operated, that people gave glory to God after uh, healing was obtained. Well, then that's how we should do it. Now, we, we have joy before that because we know he's going to do great things. And so we can have joy knowing that he's going to heal us. <clears throat> Instead of saying, uh, well, you know, if the Lord never heals me, I'm still going to be full of joy. Man, that's great. I hope I'm never like you. Amen. I want people to look at me. I want to be like him. Because I'm an example, the Bible told Timothy, be an example of a believer. I want to be an example of a believer. I believe the Lord heals me, so if I can do it, you can do it. That's what I want people. Don't you want people to follow you uh, uh, as you follow the Lord, to follow your faith? I want people to follow my faith. I don't want people to follow my sickness and disease. Nobody, anyone want to sign up for that? I, want to be, I can't wait to be just like them. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody wants that. You know, I, I hope I get brain cancer just like they got it, you know, so I can be happy like they are happy. Well, they're not really happy. You know, when, when, when everybody's gone from the room, they're not that happy. When nobody's looking, they're not that happy. Amen? They're happy, you know, in spite of that. You know, and, and that's great. They, they got it. But, but see, they don't, their joy is not based upon knowing that God's going to do great thing in their life. Uh, you know, the joy is, well, I die, I get to go to heaven. Well, that's great. But that doesn't help anybody else on the earth. Amen? Uh, and so just be careful when you, when you read after people and they, and they say things like, well, see, the Old Covenant says, if you sin, God's going to curse you. Well, how do you get around Galatians 3.13? How do you get around? And, and, and the curse is only necessary for the guilty. So if you're guilty, then, then that means you're not, you're not qualified to receive the curse in the New Covenant if Galatians 3.13 is, is, is really true. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and you just have to meditate on that. In my mind, it's really simple. A lot of people are like, no, if you mess up, curse comes on you, you know. The Bible says the curse causeless shall not come. Well, that's true. That's still an old covenant statement. Amen. That the curse causeless shall not come. Now, that's an old covenant idea. Uh, we don't live under the curse. Uh, and so, but we should strive to live in the blessings of heaven. Amen. Uh, if you are disobedient, then you're kind of in no man's land where, you know, the devil can get by with things if he, if he can. Uh, and, the de- and the Lord is unable to bless you. Uh, and so... So just know that we're not, we're not upset at, at Dr. Yeoman. You know, she wrote this book 100 years ago. She didn't have all the insight that we have today about faith and the Word of God. And, and so not upset at her at all. But just know that God is not using sickness to chastise anyone. This does not come from heaven. Uh, if, it, if the Lord was using sickness to chastise you, where in heaven would he go to get it? Because all things we have in the natural realm uh, are, have arrived from the spirit world. Uh, and so the Lord would have had to go into the spirit realm somewhere and find sickness and disease uh, to, to out of heaven, out of the coffers of heaven, and, and send that down to you when you're disobedient. Well, there's no, there's no sickness and disease in heaven. And so where would the Lord get that? Well, you know, these things should be uh, pretty obvious. But in the church, there's such a, an ingrained idea of, of, uh, of law and punishment. Because that's the way we were raised. We were raised without grace. 
We were raised without, without mercy. We were raised by the law. Uh, you do wrong and death to you. Amen. I mean, you know, that's the way I was raised. You know, you did one little thing and the first thing you should do is duck. Because, I mean, judgment was swift uh, and, and oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes unjust. You know, just guilty by association. Guilty because, you know, somebody's guilty and so they just start beating, beating everybody until morale improved. Uh, and so, you know, God is at least judged just in those things. Amen. Uh, our parents, you know, I don't know any parents are perfect. You know, no doubt some parents. In fact, uh, there are many times when I apologize to my kids. Uh, I punished you and, and you were not guilty. And so I ask you to, to forgive me for that, you know, and I apologize for making that mistake. Uh, and so, because I'm not perfect. The Lord's perfect, but I'm not perfect. So uh, we've got to get out of this mentality of, uh, of fearing the curse of the law if we make a mistake, because then we're just being obedient out of fear. We're not being obedient out of the love of the, of the Lord. Amen. We should serve the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and not serve the Lord because we are afraid of him. And I understand, you know, that, that it, it, it at least can help you um, have a check on your heart. But we don't, I don't serve the Lord because I fear him. I serve the Lord because I love him. Amen. He said, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments, right? Uh, and so he didn't say, if you fear me, you'll keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So do you love the Lord? I think most Christians say, yeah, I love the Lord. Well, they keep his commandments for that reason. Amen. Instead of fearing the curse. Uh, and so, so you're saying, I just do anything and not get a curse? Well, I'm saying that there's no legal right to bring the curse upon you if you make a mistake. Uh, that according to Galatians 3.13, there's no legal right. Uh, uh, what ramifications are there? Well, roll the dice and find out. That, that's all I can tell you, right? Old Testament, I can guarantee you what's going to happen. New Testament, you're going to roll the dice. Uh, and, and maybe you, you, uh, uh, you roll them up on, I don't know, what a good, what's a good dice roll? I mean, it's... it's I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a, is, is snake eyes, is that a good, is that a good, uh, snake, snake eyes, a seven, is seven a good number? Yeah, you roll a seven, right? That's good, right? So maybe you roll a seven, nothing really bad happens. But that's great. What if you, what if you uh, roll snake eyes next time, right? Snake eyes sounds bad, so it's got to be bad, right? Snake eyes, it sounds bad. And so what if you roll a seven, uh, uh, snake eyes the next time? Well, I mean, who knows, right? And so you want to roll the dice? I don't want to roll the dice. Uh, and so, so then she, she, uh, what happened? To the, did you move that clock forward, Jared? What in the world? Uh, and so, well, I was going to go into this next verse here, but uh, we'll just pick this up next week. So, uh, but uh, I guess you get on a roll sometimes, and, and um, that's all right. Amen. So let, let's uh, let's be careful and get our mindset. Let's not go back to Deuteronomy 28 about how the Lord operates with us. Amen. That, that's 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 old covenant. It, it's poor doctrine for the new covenant. It shows little of the grace and the mercy of God and the power of the blood of Jesus. Um, where, is that a license to sin? Don't ever say you have a license to sin. That's bad doctrine. Amen. Uh, but um, you have a license to, to obey God. Uh, and that's the way you should live. I have freedom to obey God. Um, and glad to do it. Amen. Without fear, because I love him. And that's the way we should operate in the new covenant. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Father, that, that uh, yes, there are ramifications to, to obeying you, Father. There's value in obeying you. And Father, that there, there may be ramifications uh, in disobeying you, Father, but you're not sending them. Uh, uh, it, it's just better to live in obedience to your word and obedience to your spirit.
And Father, if we live in that, then all, all will be well. And you've provided power for us. You said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Father, you said that, that uh, a merry heart is a medicine, is a good medicine. And so, Father, we will develop a merry heart by obeying you, by believing you, by receiving from you. And we will have fullness of joy, which will cause strength uh, and stability to rise up in our hearts. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. So if you sin, do you get the curse upon you? Nope. You know, it's really hard for some people to say no, right? But I didn't write it. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Uh, And so, well, you can't just live like that. I think you can live that. If that's what the word says, you can live that way. Amen. And so, uh, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And and, um, I think the the whole goal was to preach long enough for the the storm to pass. And I think the storm has passed. So I think we're good, right? And so all the thunderstorms are gone and the rain has stopped for the most part. So it's probably still raining a little bit out there, but praise God. Aren't you glad it wasn't a a three-day storm, right? We'd still be here. (laughs) So praise God. Come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. So don't forget, um, uh, of course, we'll be here Wednesday night, 7 p.m. And um, be back next Sunday. So uh, we're not too far from the end of this chapter, right? So we'll get through this chapter and I think we've just got a couple more chapters in this book. So I think this, uh, I don't know how long this, uh, we need to go back and find out when we started. I know my notes started several years ago in this book, but uh, we didn't start preaching it for a while. So I've got to, you know, it takes me a while to go through a book and prepare all the notes for it. Because I, I go through and I research all, you know, when they mention a verse, I go back and research, make sure that how they applied it, it, it makes sense and is correct. Um, and because um, I don't just believe it just because someone says it, Amen. Uh, I need, uh, I, I, uh, I trust, uh, but I still verify. You know, I trust that they've got good doctrine, but I still verify it on my own. Amen. Uh, and, and 2021. Wow, just two years, right, on this book. So that's awesome. We, we slid right through this book, right? No, no, no problem. Uh, amen. So that's, uh, so, so next month is, is two, two years, right? All right, we've got to try and get through by the end of July. I make no promises, but we'll see, right? And so, all right, well, but it's good. It's been a good book, amen? Uh, it's really, it was four books all in one, but they were small books, so. All right, we'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.